welcome to Hannibal's Horny Abachi Season 3 and our 30th episode. Yay! Well, yay. 30? Yeah, 30th. Is it? This is our 30th episode oh, of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> drink wine like we always do. And Chow. have cheese bread. Chow. I bought some cheese bread for everybody. And a pizza. <laughs> uh, we are a weekly dinner party that gets together to watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am your host, Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime lady. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. My name is Celeste. I'm a nerd and artist, and I'm new to Hannibal. Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. And this week we watched Primavera, which first aired on June 11, 2015. This episode, Will goes on vacation, and it goes just <laughs> as well as you'd expect. And Hannibal wanders the catacombs like some sort of Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> but yeah, um, I feel cheated this episode, because it starts with a flashback from a previous episode. And I remember watching this episode for the first time and going, this wastes five minutes. We could be getting to content here. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, you know, it's... You know what? She's going to get a note set. She's going to tell you that. Never say. I love that, that they make us do that, that we relive the finale scene. You know, it's different. It's faster. I don't know if anyone noticed that the scene plays faster. Mm. Um, they cut out like a line or two. The beats for like dying are cut a little short. Our music is different. We don't have that uh, blood fest sad music in the back. And... And it's not reshot. It's footage from the last season. They you just can tell. edited it. Mm. Edited it faster. Edited it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I like it because it it's a recap for us, but it's also like reliving that moment, that trauma. You almost feel like you woke up with Will remembering it. So. <laughs> woke up with Will. Uh, Hello. Uh, yeah. I wish. Well, as a newbie's point of view, I liked it. Especially since, like, because you guys went through like months before the other season came out. So it's sort of like a recap of what happened. But again, it made me feel so cheated because, like, <laughs> when I was watching this, I'd be watching the clock, too. So every time they go to commercial, I'd be like, okay, there's only 45 minutes left. Okay, there's only 30 minutes left. Okay, oh, you're a clock watcher. Yeah, yes. I hate that. Because <laughs> that's, that's what happens when I watch Gotham, because Gotham will always end with its title screen at the end. So whenever the title screen comes on when I'm watching episodes, I'm like, fudge! <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I don't know. Um, personally, I don't really like direct flashbacks. I really do like the flashbacks we do get of uh, scenes we couldn't have seen or weren't there for. So like those mm. scenes from last episode where Hannibal was hanging out with Gideon. Hanging out. Like they're just like... <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're just hanging out. Because uh, I love those ones. I love the ones where we see... Um, uh, the killing of uh, Bedelia's patient from her point of view. Mm. Like, where it was, like, we see her with her hand in his throat, basically. I like that those scenes, but, like, direct references? Mm. Eh. Eh, Alan. <laughs> I, I like recapping with them. They're like, oh, yeah, I forgot this actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, But I feel right now with everybody disagreeing with me, I just feel... <laughs> do you remember that scene in Misery when um, when Annie's, like, uh, talking about the... the which called the serial she'd go and watch and how they'd always end with somebody about to go over a cliff or something and it was obvious they'd go over the cliff and then the next episode the next episode of the serial would start with them escaping the car and then she made a huge deal because she's like he didn't escape the cock duty car that's how I feel right now <laughs> it's like he didn't escape the car 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, if anybody notices, um, see, uh, well, I've said it before, season three is my least favorite, so. Yeah. yeah I know. You sent us, like, a very unpleasant <laughs> gift in the group chat about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you guys better have notes, because I just have eight. <laughs> well, I have a bunch of, uh, well, not a bunch. I got a few fun facts of this episode. Uh, I read a thing recently, like, actually fairly recently, uh, like, within the month or so. I read a thing that apparently Hannibal's line that he says to Will, you can make it all go away. Put your head back, close your eyes, wade into the quiet of the stream, is Hannibal speak for fuck you <laughs> to Will, apparently. That's how that line is supposed to read. Yeah. Uh, is that the direction of Mans? Mans was given for it, probably. Evidently, yeah. That's supposed to be what's supposed to be behind that line. That's the nice, that's the, the rudest way Hannibal can say fuck you I to Will. I thought the rudest way he can say that is by murdering someone. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Well, that's yeah. the final insult. Yeah, because he's hurt. Well, um, and it seems like um, it, you can also take that as him saying, okay, you're going to die, and if you want to make it faster, just take your hands back. Sorry, that's the sound. Okay, well, excuse the sound quality. It's very moody. We can't find the source of it. We can't find the source of it. Apologies for the quality of this episode. Hopefully, you still love us. (laughs) You just pretend it's rain, you know. Speaking of which, I was blown away. We we had, what, 25 or 30 listens? Almost two hours. The first day. I was like, what? It's like, who are you people? We love you. Speaking of, uh, me and, uh, we went to see my friend Dahmer with my friend JJ. And we saw a bunch of people that we know uh, in the film community of Winnipeg. And they Mm. were talking to us. uh, Because, like, our friend Ian was saying, like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember, I was talking to a bunch of you guys. Because I was saying to a friend that was obsessed with Hannibal. I have friends that are obsessed with Hannibal. (laughs) And he couldn't remember our names offhand. Because he was being drunk or something. Well, he just couldn't remember which friends they were. It's not that he didn't. You know us. <laughs> you just can't remember which friends you know like Hannibal. So and so I was telling him about our podcast, and JJ was telling me, "Sonny, like you're so like you always tell everybody about our podcast." And I'm like, "I am proud of our podcast because yeah. we created this uh, person ham from nothing, and now it's like this big good ham." You know what I mean? Didn't you like? Oh, what, uh, did something make a noise? Is that me? Holy shit! What, what the fuck is that? What you hear? Oh my god. I am fucking freaking out. It sounds like there's someone talking to me. <laughs> or someone whispering in my headphones. It's like, it's like, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Don't do that to me. <laughs> I'm not lying. You listen to this. Put them put put on. Okay, keep them on for a minute. That's a lot of static. It is a lot of static. What the hell is that? Maybe we should start again. <laughs> I'm kind of bummed out because we had some fun stuff here. Please hang up and try again. Yes. All right. So sorry for the delay, folks. We are just dealing with some technical difficulties with uh, JJ scaring the crap out of me. I'm just sorry. Her. <laughs> she said she heard someone whispering on the track. So if you hear, if you hear any sort of weirdness, please text us. Yes. If you can hear the ghost in the podcast, please let us know. It's not that kind of podcast. Uh, just bring up the Ouija board. <laughs> And we will be burning some sage after this, so yeah, <laughs> we'll hopefully get through this podcast. But anyway, so um, we, we left off with um, Hannibal telling 
Will about putting his head back and wondering. And oh, yeah. We, he was telling Will to fuck off. That's yeah. what it was. And, and so I think I took that as, like, I didn't take it as the fuck off thing. I took it as, like, okay, just let go of your wound and you'll die. And I was like... Well, that is yeah. it, but yeah. It's just, a more subtle way. But like it. I said, that's just a thing I recently read, so I was kind of like, okay. It was like a, like a dominant wolf thing, like an bear of your neck to me. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Man, ever since you got I'm a dog. About- <laughs> what are you talking about? I always been this insightful. Well, I'm all about the alpha, omega, beta stuff, so I was just like, yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> but one of my favorite shots of this episode was um, see- Will seeing the blood pooling out of the pantry. That was a really nice shot. Really out of the pantry? That. Like, out of the wine cellar, whatever the hell. Um, I, thought the, I thought the blood was pooling out of uh, the dying uh, yeah. Wendigo. No, it was poor. No, there's a scene where oh, Will, before. Yeah, Will's coming in. And, oh, yeah, okay. There's blood coming in from blood coming out from under the door. Oh, okay. Because like, nice. I, I don't know what they do. Like I mentioned it later, but um, I have no clue what they changed up camera wise for this season. Because even though it's like my least favorite season story wise, hmm. it, it's my favorite season um, visually, just because of all the the new techniques they've done for the camera usage and stuff. I think because like everything looks so hyper realistic, especially that scene later when they're in the church and the and the ceiling starts to break. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And it really freaked me out because I have an HD TV now, so like I'm like, oh, <laughs> gross. I can see your boobs. <laughs> One thing I always think of now, and it's probably just because I have a filmmaker brain. And it's funny you posted a meme about it uh, earlier on Facebook. Um, all I could think about is, frig, that must have taken a long time to do a lot of those camera setups, just because they're so specific and there's a real look that they're going for and then there's the special effects of the blood or things happening all the time so i'm just like or a cg cg thing needs to happen in there and i was like what a pain in the ass it must have been they probably film in a week like they do for for usual tv episodes like something like that i think yeah i think they had like two weeks per episode but that's still like a freaking long time like short amount of time that's still a short amount of time especially with how artsy this show is in the first place. And know? I am lazy. And I just gotta say that like after shadowing on a TV show, the pressure to get all everything done fast, producers and people breathing down your neck as a director, I can't imagine being one of the directors on Hannibal. It just feels like uh, it's like just kill him already and let's move on. <laughs> It's like say something, say something poetic, and let's go. Yeah, let's move on. But I, I do love seeing Hannibal in pain. That's always something I really, really enjoy. Because like Hannibal, like yeah. when he was like when he was like looking at Will defeated and betrayed, I was like, yeah. I have such mixed feelings about that. I'm totally all about like, yeah, Hannibal, you asshole. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, poor Hannibal. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I'm just like, you deserve it. You but, poor, um, horrible puppy. Celeste, I wanted to ask, did this scene make you think that Will did die? Because I, I remember the first time I watched it, it made me feel like this was Will's last moment that Hannibal was reliving. That's why it I definitely did. looked that way. Yeah, because I was like, oh my god, Will's dead, no! <laughs> but since I know there's a season three... <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say too, with the whole opening of this entire episode, and you feel it through the whole episode without giving away too much, but... It's is it me or like the entire time you weren't sure what was real? Yes. Mm. You weren't sure what was actually happening if he was actually going places. The thing that made me kind of go, 
like it jumps ahead a little, but um, there's a timestamp of eight months later. So yeah. You're, so you're like, oh shit. So that's okay. So this is happening. This is real. <laughs> you know. And then you get to the end of the episode, and you're like, oh. Yeah, because this whole episode was weird. I think that's why I don't like the European episodes because it doesn't. You don't know where people stand. That's mm. one of the big things. Like until we get to something else that I really like later in the season, but. Like, uh, well, not Red Dragon, but, like, other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's it just bothers me just because um I don't really, well, I don't really like Europe. That is terrible. I don't like Europeanness because it seems like um it seems like Hannibal's home field, if that can make sense. So them being on Hannibal's home field. On Hannibal's sense. turf? Yeah, on Hannibal's turf in his environment mm. makes me feel like that, that no one's going to win. In it. Like, Hannibal always has the upper hand even more so than he does as usual. So I guess that's why I don't like it, because it seems like Hannibal is a Mary Sue in this, in this context. To me. Isn't he a wanted criminal? Yeah. In his town, though? Like, that dude has a picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, super, I love that. Speaking of it, I have fun facts about that when we get to that. Okay, but yeah, we're still at the, we're still we're still at the beginning. But, uh, and it bothers me when people don't immediately put their hands over their wounds. Like, every single time that bothers I know you're in shock, but, like, this, if I were, like, the second I cut them, like, ah, cover it, <laughs> cover it. I definitely clutched my own neck when I saw, like, Abigail's neck being slit. Yeah, like, I, was, I, I did that for her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with uh, shock. That's probably all it was. I was going to say... Considering what you know what happens at the end of the episode, and you learn that Abigail isn't real, does that mean he's talking to himself the entire yes. time? And then she is just this manifestation of Abigail of uh, his um, want to yeah. be with Hannibal. His like the whole reason I thought <laughs> Abigail was still there was because he is having conflict within himself about why he wants to still be with Hannibal and mm. the guilt he has about forgiving Hannibal for what he did for to Abigail because that's what he says. I forgive you, right? He forgives yeah. you. Yeah. But you don't know if that's true. Yeah, because he could be lying. He could be. And that really pissed me off when he said he forgave Hannibal. I was like, I wanted to punch him in the face. That's why I hate this. Season. That's why I hate this. Season. But I really love how dreamy this entire episode is. Like, I like how we see Will process his memories of Hannibal. We see that stuff, that stuff again with him in his office talking mm. about Memory Palace because he needs to recall these now to find him. So I just really like that. Like I just love how it's like little memory clues. Yeah, yeah. And it's just I love how it just it it was a little bit of memory and dream. Yeah. yeah. And it was just I just love it. I think it was like um, I think what they were trying to imply with the scene is that he's in a coma and this is him like coming back from the Like that's because uh, like they don't really know what happens to you in a coma, right? So well like you somewhat. But I always like I saw the sequence as him being like his time out there. Yeah, like it. I don't know. Was he in a coma? I he thought was he was in a coma recovering, like a medically induced one. Are you sure? I know. Sounds like a lie. Sounds so. <laughs> <laughs> so like bullshit. Like maybe. <laughs> Go ahead. Maybe in the in the beginning it was a coma, but I think like when he was actually in Europe, he was. There. Oh no, not that part. Like the part where he was remembering what happened with Hannibal at, at Hannibal's house, and the bits where he was remembering um, the office. Or it could just be a dream. Yeah, it could just be. It's a dream. I it could be. Yeah. He's in his head. He's in his head. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah I like. Uh, I don't know. Like with Abigail, and like her, like talking. Like when I watched it, I thought it was like, you know, I'm a doobie. I, <laughs> I thought it was Abigail. I was actually like, wow, you survived again. And girl, <laughs> nothing can kill yeah. you. I was thinking that actually when uh, I was like, 
I wonder how Celeste is going to feel at the end of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Devastated. <laughs> I was like, I'll bet you she thought Abigail was alive. And then it's like, ah. Uh. But again, I was the opposite when I first saw this episode. Oh, crap. Abigail's still alive. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah. But I was like angry and all the things Abigail is saying. I was like, why do you want to go back to Hannibal? He's a jerk. He just stabbed you. <laughs> She was like, oh, well, he didn't, like, intend to kill us. I was like, he stabbed you. He stabbed you. <laughs> I, th- I figured, like, when I first saw this, I thought it was supposed to be, like, a play on uh, that, uh, what's that called where you sympathize with your... Uh, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Stockholm oh, Syndrome. Yeah, which we had an episode which, about. Yeah, which is what I thought was going on, and we were continuing that theme. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's how we talked about that, saying that's how she stayed with him, and blah, blah, blah. So I figured that's what we were doing here when I first saw this. I was like, okay. Yeah, like, she's, it's, it's, she's thinking, like, he didn't mean it. I mean, he let me live in a way if I met, if I was strong enough to pull through. Again, it's that, going back to that other thing I talked about, yeah. he proved herself he that... He could totally kill me, but he didn't, so that means he actually likes me. Yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, it's like that a boy punching you and pulling your hair on the on the playground. Oh, kind of thing, yeah. Like, if I, can, if I can put up with the abuse... And his his tests in a way. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. That's yeah. that's the way I took it. Yeah. As despite how twisted that is, but that's the way I took the scene. And then I actually realized, oh shit, fuck, she's not there. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. But it's I just Will's it's, yeah. manifestation of uh, what his what he wants to do. Of it, because it's like it's a really twisted episode in that. Because like Abigail's situation in Will's memory is what Bedelia is basically going through right now. I mm. think, yeah. Something to, akin so, to that, yeah. Yeah, because she's, like, she's trying to survive this horrible man, like, any way she can. And it's just, like, ugh. Like, leave your boyfriends, people. Like, uh, leave, boyfriend. <laughs> leave, them, <laughs> leave them and don't come back. Gone girl their asses. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, so when uh, Inspector Pazzi, you oh. know, comes uh, and says, uh, Senora Graham. I-, I love his accent. Mm. Anyway, when he showed that picture of uh, <laughs> Hannibal... I was like, because <laughs> everyone freaking loves that picture love of that young picture. Hannibal. Yeah, he looked pretty handsome. I looked it up, and uh, you guys might actually have to get up to look at my computer to see it. But it's actually from, I think, I'm a pretty movie, sure. Yeah. No, it's from a TV show that he did, I think. Um, it's supposed to be I pulled it up. Uh, an ID picture from a TV show I think he did. He plays a cop on one called Unit One. Mm-hmm. And he just came off of Pusher, so his hair is really short. Yeah. So that's what's his ID photo. It doesn't actually show up in the show, per se, because he has longer hair in the TV show. But mm-hmm. that's his ID photo. And then they changed it in Hannibal. They gave him a suit instead of, like, that ugly 90s He's leather jacket. Like, yeah, they, they li- it looks like they lightened his shirt. He looks like a Backstreet Boy. Yeah. He looks pretty damn good. <laughs> and they gave him hair. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love how young he looks in it. I'm just like, oh, you baby. <laughs> Wait, what did I do? But he's actually not that young in the, the photo. I think he's actually in his 30s. So he's, he's like maybe, what, 15 years younger in this photo. So he's actually not that much younger. Yeah. But they're playing it off that he's supposed to be like in his 20s or something. <laughs> anyway, I just but, thought that was uh, To go back a second, um, 
I the scene with Willen being lit in Hannibal's office, where it looks like he's coming back to himself in reality, was mm. so beautiful. I love that scene, even though it looked really creepy because it it's in hyper realistic HD. So uh, I think they shot it in 4K, probably. I'm not sure. No, I, I don't think up. so. No, it looks too good. I don't know. Might be just your TV. Must be my, my TV <laughs> and me like <laughs> my TV. eyes blurring. No, like there's no way that shit was shot in 4K. I could be wrong, but there's no way just because of how much. Uh, special effects and like uh staging they'd have to do you know how long you would need two weeks to just do that one scene you there's no way you could do that in tv uh you know time you know what i mean (laughs) that sounds like a challenge (laughs) (laughs) well i'm um, just saying that's super stressful and there's no way they would have time like 4k that means you have literally like a minute and 30 seconds before you have to change uh your your devices your your your, your, uh, storage device before you run out of room and there's no way that would work <laughs> but to bring up something that no one else has mentioned yet will's glasses are back i love his glasses i really like them Make well you know, know he needed a disguise you know, <laughs> while he's in the <laughs> he's pulling a superman yeah. uh, so people can't really see him that was another funny thing too like when he was uh, like i said you're not sure what's real in this entire episode when he first meets inspector patsy he just talks to him on the bench yeah and then that cop comes up to him and says you know uh, we're ready to talk to you now and blah 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 doesn't even look at the inspector so this entire time you're like it felt like Like a weird uh felt like a weird uh sixth sense moment there like spoilers (laughs) (laughs) i'm like is he actually there (laughs) but then it's like yeah like this entire time it plays on your senses and then you finally by the end of the episode you realize what's real and what isn't but still i'm like uh but passy is the sort of cop i'd be if i were a cop obsessed with profiling in an american crime and he would whisper to (laughs) everybody i'd have an accent too (laughs) that's one thing i wrote in here i was like where did i write it uh i wrote it somewhere oh i like how will and Pat say speak in whispers to each other the entire episode. They whispered to each other. I was like, <laughs> why are you whispering? They're sharing a secret. Yeah, I guess that was, I thought that was just so funny. I'm like, why are you whispering? I do like him a lot. And then I'm, I'm scared because every time I like a character, they die. And then I was like panicking <laughs> at, the of, at the end of the episode. I was like, no. That's why you got to be like me. Like all the hateful characters, nothing bad will happen to them. <laughs> um. <laughs> Another fun fact: the church and the catacombs are the tiniest sets. I know and the way they're shot make them look like they're they're the, these big things, but they're actually really tiny sets. Do you think green screen was involved to make them look a little bit bigger too? Or no, it's darkness? all it's all camera trickery. No, that's all it is. The church is literally like uh, I'd say it's probably the size of your apartment right here, which is not very big. It's not very big, <laughs> but maybe twice as tall, obviously. And all the tapestry, all the the walls, that's just wallpaper. They printed it and just literally smacked it on there. And they probably, like, aged it up a bit, too, like, but with tea and stuff, too, to make it look a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's all, you know, done professionally, like, uh, with sets and whatnot. But I'm I'm just saying that it looks like they're in a real chapel. It's all a set, and it's just pasted on. Is it, like, a church in in, uh, Italy or is it a church in Toronto? It actually is based on uh, uh, a church in uh, in. Sorry. Uh, it actually is based on uh, a church in uh, Florence, Italy, somewhere. But it's literally, like, shrunken down. <laughs> it's a lot bigger in real life. It's just, yeah, it's, like, really mini. It looks pretty cool. I like but, that. yeah, they, they did a really great job uh, with the camera trickery because it makes you think, like, they're actually in this really beautiful, kind of small, yeah, ornate 
cathedral church thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I like all the candles that was down there too. Oh, it was cool. Yeah. It was romantic. It was very <laughs> drippy. It was yeah. Very Catholic. Uh, but I really like how out of place Will looks in Italy. Like, I don't see him grabbing Italian food and riding a vest. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, he, he does not look like he belongs there. Like, it, it was really weird because, like, he's not... Um, the way Bedelia and Hannibal are dressed in, while they're in Italy looks completely different from what he's wearing because he just looks like he... Well, he, Will's Will. He'll never... Yeah, Will is ne- never going to look like Like, to be fair, he is dark. He's he's dark Will. He's becoming dark Will. Mm-hmm. But I think he's... Because like he... Like bomber Will? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he still looks like... <laughs> no! <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's why the cop recognized them. Yeah, because like, he, like, he, he still looked like old Will. But no, later in the season, he'll start to become that kind of sexy, sophisticated dark Will that we all know and love. <laughs> well, Celeste doesn't know him yet, but you'll, you'll get to know him. I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> He's fabulous. But I really love how everybody's obsessed with Hannibal. Like, it makes me laugh so much. Because, like, why the hell does Cassie have that picture in his coat? I know, right? <laughs> A little he's, bit bigger than wallet a, size. Yeah, he's like the one that got away from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like I keep it close to my heart. I like seeing like jokes on it on Tumblr where people are like they put a little caption underneath the uh, will looking at it. Can I keep this? <laughs> Can favorite, I get copies? <laughs> my favorite caption is, "Oh no, she's hot." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> but Patsy uh, talking about Hannibal in the gallery sounds like a fake Kinder hookup, where he was talking about seeing him at the at the Primavera painting, and he's like, "Yeah, he was drawing it every day." <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird, right? Two hours. Again, I like how it plays on that perception that keeps up with the theme through the entire episode. Is that real? Did that actually happen? Did he dream it? Did he he actually see Hannibal there as a young man drawing it every day? Or was it, did he make it up in his own mind because he wanted to catch him so badly? Mm. You know, like he already, he made that connection obviously between the painting and the the thing and he thought it might have been Hannibal. Like they said, they went and raided his place and didn't find any evidence. And so therefore he was let off the hook. But as Will says, you wouldn't find any evidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's just too good at what he does. Uh, But that's a good point, though, about uh, Passy trying to catch the killer. Because it goes really into my Under the Table True Crime segment this week. Uh, I wanted to note that I wasn't interested in doing cases related to missing and murdered Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, it's just too close to us. And yeah, always, too close to home. Yeah, and I've been trying to make this show about murder and cannibalism lighthearted. Like, we are making fun of people. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, so, so instead of doing a segment on Willie Picton, I am going to do it on the person who tried to catch him, despite being told repeatedly that people, the people picked and killed didn't matter. Lorimer Schoenherr. Uh, in July 1998, Detective Corporal Scherner had been working in the missing persons unit of the Vancouver Police Department for two days when he received an anonymous phone call. The caller said he had been told that women's handbags, identity cards, and bloody clothing could be seen at Picton's farm. And he said he had listened himself to Picton making disturbing jokes about a meat grinder on his property that he could use to dispose of bodies if his friends ever needed it. Shenher entered Picton's name into the police database and discovered that he had nearly killed a sex worker earlier that year after imprisoning her for a short time. Hmm. Scherner had been tasked with finding out what happened to 17 women missing from the downtown east side district, also known as the low track because it was where people went to buy cheap sex. Hmm. All the missing women were sex workers and drug users and many were from Canada's indigenous population. Scherner began his police career in the early 1990s as Lorraine Schoenherr, 
an athletic, hardworking 27-year-old who achieved one of the highest scores ever in the Vancouver Police Department selection process. Uh, he has since gone under, undergone gender reassignment surgery, changing his name from Lorraine to Lorimer. Uh, during his time with uh, on the missing persons case, he was he hadn't transitioned yet, so he a lot of news articles you'll see will refer to him by his old name. Mm. Um, for one of his first assignments, Lorimer worked undercover in the downtown east side. Dressed in a short skirt, he would wait on street corners for men to solicit him for sex so he could arrest them. The experience gave Scherner an insight into the brutality sex workers routinely experienced. Clients could be violent. One threatened to kill him. Another tried to abduct him at gunpoint. He also noticed that police officers who should have been protecting the women often ignored their complaints. At this time, he, he had a unique perspective on what he saw happening around him. I felt I was a man observing the situation. But also, living as a woman myself, I couldn't put up with the oppression and sexism the woman faced, he says. I had a lot of anger around it. Several officers within the Vancouver Police Department had already begun to suspect a serial killer was at work. One of them was Detective Inspector Kim Rosmo, who had recently completed doctoral research in criminal profiling. She found out after going through 20 years of data that the number of missing people in Vancouver started to grow in 1996, 97, and 98. She thought that the only explanation would be a serial murder case. But when Rosmo took her findings to the major crime section, she was told that these women lived transient lives and it was most likely that they had drifted away. This was despite the fact that the majority of the missing women had strong ties to their families and communities. Shenher got involved with the RCMP officer who had arrested Picton earlier that year for assaulting the sex worker. The case had been dropped due to the victim being a heroin addict and it was felt she would not be a convincing witness. Shenher found this decision inexplicable, inexplicable, a view shared by the arresting officer who opened his files on Picton to Shenher. Because Picton's home was outside of the city, it fell under the jurisdiction of the RCMP rather than the Vancouver police. In Shenher's view, it made sense for the Vancouver police and the Mountie, Mounties to work together, but at, all the, at the highest levels of both forces, there was resist resistance to the idea and full cooperation did not begin for several years. Scherner followed up with information from the anonymous caller and was able to track down an informant. When Scherner attempted to get an undercover investigation going to confirm the story of the missing women's belongings being in Picton's home, Scherner's superior said no and put Picton under surveillance for three days before leaving him alone entirely. Scherner has said, if these women were from any other walk of life, there would be total outrage, search parties, volunteers, roadblocks. On a very deep level, a large segment of society and the police, policing community didn't feel these women were worth searching for, and many people questioned whether they even wanted to be found. With the lack of resources, informants telling him about the gruesome things that were being done on Picton's farm and the Vancouver and Federal Police being unwilling to help, Scherner began to develop muscle pains, allergies, suffered nightmares, and developed PTSD. Mm. He felt he had failed. I've asked myself so many times, could I have just physically gone to the farm and tried to execute a search warrant, he says. The answer really is no. It was not my jurisdiction. What failed us was that someone at a very senior level in my force should have approached someone at a very senior level in the RCMP, but it didn't work out that way. We didn't get that support. Picton would only be arrested when a police officer stopped by to see about an unlicensed gun and ended up finding the prescription inhaler of one of the missing women. Picton's farm would be the largest crime scene in Canadian history. 
Uh, Scherner is now on long-term medical leave from the police. In 2015, he published a book that detailed his frustrations with the Picton investigation. The book is titled That Lonely Section of Hell, which I mentioned on the podcast before, Mm. and which chronicles his descent into PTSD and the absolute hopelessness of trying to help the people he would eventually come to know. Hmm. So he's a really interesting guy. Like, like I really felt bad for him, and he's been involved... uh, I believe he got involved with the missing and murdered Indigenous women in Prairie in Vancouver. And a lot of the the families still uh, thank him for what he tried to do. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool guy. And I hope, like, he's really active on the internet. And I hope he listens randomly. Like, I don't know. Uh, why. But he's awesome. Like, you, <laughs> and he listens to us. <laughs> you are a really good superhero person. I am going to tag them in this in this episode just to say, like, how appreciative I am of his work. Aww. And his book was amazing. Yeah, I vaguely recall when that was happening at the, at the farm thing. And I was... I remember just kind of like gently tuning in every once in a while, like gently turn my head to that kind of stuff going on. And I, I remember thinking like, like shit. <laughs> Cause you know what? It sounded a lot like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Citizen X mm-hmm. where it's about the, the serial killer in Russia mm. who, uh, basically like, uh, I forget his name. Uh, but he like killed, like they say something between, 35 and 60 maybe 75 children under the age of 18 Mm -hmm. and just like he would stab them and then he sometimes he would mutilate their genitals and all kinds of crazy fucked up but anyway when that was happening that was the first thing i thought of was that movie and i was like frig man (laughs) and it's just it's like it made like you know whenever you see a movie like most things like i know we like we kind of talk about hannibal in a really light-hearted gestured way and it's kind of a, a way to really distant yourself from the violence that can actually happen in this world and it was like the first time where i was like fuck this stuff really happens and this is where you know our the scary movies and all this shit get their <laughs> ideas from is from real life because real, real life yeah. is fucking frightening so i just remember being like for like a day or two i was like when it was happening at the height of its news i was like and I was extra paranoid walking around. And it's really, like, I, we brought this up before, but as Native women in Canada with, like, because we were teenagers when Picton was active and when he mm. got arrested. And so, like, I've always been interested in true crime. And that was the first time I was like, oh, my God, like, that could, like, I, like I, that could have been me. That could, like, that could have been... Uh, like, it, it was just really horrible to come up with, and I, I really appreciate police officers like Laura Mersherm, who was, like, trying to do the right thing, even if he was getting so much, like, negative feedback from his superiors, and, like, is still suffering to this day with the, with the, with the guilt of what he couldn't do, mm. and I'm like, you, you don't deserve that guilt, like, that guilt is, like, all for him like he's a horrible man like you tried to do your best and like i think there Hmm. needs to be more good people i think like he really does remind me of will in that like he's just trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and i'm like yes need more people need more people (laughs) but but to move on but uh, i I just want to say i like your true crime segment today it's so nice to actually hear from the the police officer the police officer point of view because like, yeah a lot of police like especially as indigenous women we hear about all the crap that you know the crappy police officers do, not yeah, the good ones. Yeah. We don't hear enough about the good ones. All we hear about is the bad ones. Well, I think that's what something I really enjoy about working on ABTN's Taken is, especially in the case I wrote, which was about uh, the episode Angela Meyer, there was a police officer who was really close to the family, really knew them, really helped them out, and is still looking for Angela and any developments in the case. And it really, really made me feel better. Because, like, yeah, um, 
as a native women we do have a negative relationship with the police like mm. uh if any of our listeners want to look it up uh currently colton bushy's case is up right now where he um was shot in the head by a farmer who thought he was trying to steal something off of right. his farm when he was only there looking for um uh help with their car I don't know what. Yeah, it was terrible. It was a terrible situation. But a lot of people are thinking, like the cops were involved, and they're thinking about like how the law system is going to fail us again. And like we all hope that like things will turn out better. But we, as Native women, we're just like, uh, well, if it happened, like if if good things happen, yay. But we know bad things are going to happen. So that's why I really wanted to focus on a cop who's doing a good job Hmm. because like they're they're not all bad. Like, yeah, like I like I said, I think I told this story before, but like when I, that I found they found that sleeping dude on my couch, and I called the cops, oh, and they yeah. li- and they literally came there and they helped me. You know, it was like those cops were literally there within five minutes. It, at least it didn't yeah. feel that long. It really didn't, and they were there so fast. So in my mind, it's like when I needed the cops, they were there. Yeah, and like. Uh, like unfortunately fortunately fortunately i've never needed to call the cops again but it's just nice it's nice to know that that comfort i have i'm lucky enough to have a comfort feeling that if i ever needed them again they'll be there that fast Mm -hmm. again that's really nice yeah yeah that's true well i think uh, it was uh it was celeste who posted that really cute story about uh this this cop who was like wandering he was giving a talk at a school and he was out like heading to his car after like he had finished and this little boy comes up to him and he's like um, my mom always told me that if I ever needed help, I should ask a cop. And the cop is like, well, yes. Like, w- what can I help you with? And he's like, can you tie my shoe? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Ages ago. <laughs> so I think it's <laughs> really cute. And so, but yeah, like, I really think cops do one of the hardest jobs in the world. And yes, horrible people are drawn to that position and get high on the power and, mm-hmm. like, the, the gun and stuff. And, like, but, like, uh, and, yeah, we do blame, like, I do throw a lot of shade at the cops in a lot of situations situations within our under the tri- cave under the table true crime segments because like due to their fuck ups like people got away but there are good people working on these cases so mm-hmm. but yeah like to get back into the thing i wanted to talk about i wanted to talk about how sexy will looked in that hospital bed <laughs> no, no, i was gonna go, i brought a note i have a note here just a second uh blah, 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 blah. i was like i wrote and hot damn will graham topless in the hospital i know he's sick but so are them pecs <laughs> yeah that's what i wrote here i said will wakes up in the hospital Hospital. Incidentally, it's a really nice fucking hospital, and Will looks really good. Like for someone who's been in for someone who's been shot and probably dehydrated, like he wakes up going, "I'm thirsty." <laughs> it's like you look, you you're like you're making me thirsty, <laughs> sir. Like his hair is nice. He's like he's not even like. He, do you recall how he looked when uh in, in season one or something when yeah. he was like really he was like scrawny, yeah. he was scrawny he's got the circles under his eyes he doesn't have any of that in the hospital well, he doesn't sleep for what six months he so. looks he looks plump he looks good you know it's like <laughs> so you should get stabbed more often sir you look good oh my god but yeah i hear you because it's like but um I, I think the whole scene with Abigail is, gives me a sum up of why I don't like the European season. I don't like how they keep talking about how broken Hannibal is. Like, he's a, no, no, he's a bad man who should feel bad. Oh, well, yeah. Like, kind of made me, like, laugh, though, because, like, the whole heart thing in the church. Yeah. He's mm. like, this, this is his broken heart. And I was like, his Valentine. It's Valentine. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Probably. It's like, we're just going to ignore the fact that he cut up somebody. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is his heart. She's doing like, <laughs> I don't like that. We're just standing in the background going, oh, oh that's funny. I remember I Googled the, the word that Will called it, and I was like, what the hell is that? Okay, hold on. 
I just like wrote heart. <laughs> no, he, he, when, he, when he's describing it, when he's describing it in the church, he says like, uh, like he cut off the head and the hands and the arms, and then he says a word, and oh, there he, he called it a, to, a topiary. Topiary? Oh, yeah, like it's a it's like a topiary. Like a plant animal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to Google that. I was like, what, what, what the fuck's a topiary? Like you know when Edward the art when he was cut, uh, when he was cutting oh. animals out of the plants. Yeah, it's just the art or practice of clipping shrubs or trees into or, 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 or ornamental shapes. And I was like, you could just say that. <laughs> Just, I always feel a little dumb when I have to Google words. Like I swear, this way I like yes. a lot of uh, a fan fiction that I read. I'm so like a lot of the times. God bless these artists and writers. They use such great words. The language that fix, fits Hannibal and Will. I have to Google a lot of the words that they use because I'm like I don't know what that word means, but it sounds great. It's, it's like a like I feel so old. Like I'm younger than you guys, but I feel so old when I talk to kids and they're like, they, I'm gonna have to search something up because of like something like text. I was like, what does that even mean? And it's like like OFC. I was like, what is that? And it's like oh. Of course. I was like, why can't you just say of course? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Or like, so, I remember someone oh, uh, texted me SMH and I was like, or no. Yeah, yeah. So much hate. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know what you <laughs> Shake my head. <laughs> I thought it meant so much hate. No, I, shake my head. No, I, I guess I can mean the same thing. I guess so. But yeah, that's what, when I Googled it, that's what I got was shake my head. So I was like, oh, you kids today and your short and words. Your words. <laughs> like, use your words. <laughs> but um, the unrolling heart reminds me of that scene in the remake Ooh. of The Thing where one of the women turned into some horrible creature with backwards spider body. Yeah, I know, right? Because, so cool. like, where her neck was melting and she's like, <laughs> I know. I was like, bravo to the animators. Like, what the fuck is that? This heart antler creature yeah, thing. Yeah, the stag it's returns. It's my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? The stag returns more insane and hornier than ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, too, how it's like this lovely metaphor manifestation for, yeah, like, how twisted this new relationship is yeah. before it was like a weird just a weird it black like a feathered crow, stag a crow deer, like a yeah. crow half deer and then it became a full-on black stag and then we got the wendigo and now it's this weird heart thing it's with a man antlers. without a head or hand yeah it's a thing i don't know why it's all drippy everywhere and, and then it'll probably become something else later yeah. i feel like it's becoming more extreme yeah it's like becoming like a monster which is how i think it's becoming a mess like their relationship <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like like Will is getting more sick in the head because this is like exaggerating more. Yeah, I know that that was the other thing too. Like I said, the whole theme is you don't know what's real. So I was like, is he still sick? Like, is he still, or is he in the memory palace? Yeah, yeah. or is he? Yeah, because he says that to Abigail. He's like, this is the only world I could build for you. And then she kind of dies and disappears uh, in this and thing. And then we find out that Abigail really died. She, yeah, then we find out she actually sad. died. Like, yeah. I didn't really care for Abigail, but I was, like, still sad that, like, the plot twist is that she was dead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but thank Christ for that, because I don't think I could handle another season of human Claudia from the Vampire Chronicles. Like, yeah. their daughter that they, their, the gay dads had to keep their relationship going. You know, like, the, the, the Band-Aid baby. I couldn't stand if she was around as a Band-Aid baby. <laughs> yeah, that's um, kind of funny. Question: mm -hmm. Did Will fishing with Abigail ever really happen? I don't no. think so. No, yeah. that's all. Again, that's in his memory palace. Yeah, and I'm like, you don't even know who she is. I know. I, I don't really... think she really smiled with him. 
No, like every time, it, like the only person she smiled with briefly was probably Hannibal, and not even then. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but yeah, like it. I don't think he ever like Hannibal or Will didn't really know her. I don't think they really did. Yeah. Anything that they thought they knew is um, what do you call it? Self self projected. Yeah. They only sent things that they wanted to see from themselves on her. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. she was. That's why, again, I say that weird, uh, oh, my, my brain's all fiddle faddle flu today. Except um, <laughs> wine. The, the, what I just said, where, where you sympathize with your hostage. Stockholm. Thank you, Stockholm. <laughs> uh, and she's reflecting that same thing. She, she knows that they, <laughs> she, she, like, I feel like she, they won't keep her she, around if she doesn't live up to what they want. Kinda, yeah. Like that's her safety net. Is okay. I see you like it when I do this. I will do that so that you know. Well, that makes we are her happy. Kind, of, kind of a sociopath in her own way too, but more for her safety. Yeah, exactly. Anything. Like I feel like it's a thing that probably came from living with her father and finding out he was a killer, and then using her to be like a little. It's just a thing she's learned to adapt, and she thinks that's the way life should be. No matter how unhealthy, like she's intelligent enough to to know that it's this wrong. is probably wrong and unhealthy, but this is how I live and survive. Yeah, because I'm surrounded really by. Sad. Yeah, it is. That's the word. Like, even though I hate Abigail and I really hate her as a character, I think it is sad that no one, like, the closest anyone got to her was Alana. And, and she was... Even then, you, yeah. you don't even know if that was real. And yeah. Freddie was kind of close to her, too. But, like, the only people who were close to her were women. And, like, yeah. she was the one hunting women, too. Like, not by her mm. own, like, needs or anything. But, mm. like, it, like, it seemed like the world is separate. For Abigail, it seemed like the world was separated into killers and victims. Or the hunter and the hunted. But you know what I found interesting? It's like you were saying you don't like her. But you know what? It was weird. Uh, when, they, when you see the... Is just, juxtaposition the right word i don't know um seeing will being brought back to life through surgery and then seeing her yeah. being secured into death yeah post-mortem like, all the stuff and shout out to different yeah. like surgery is going on life and death and i thought it was really interesting to watch yeah, yeah. shout out to the completely terrifying scene of abigail being prepared for burial yeah exactly right like i just thought like that actually solidified it for me and then i went to like that's probably another reason why i was so sad i went to a really dark place while i was watching that and i was like I'm going to fucking lose my mind when I finally see loved ones. See, like, I've never, thank, thank God when it, when, you know, stuff happened in the past, I've never been privy to seeing any of that stuff happen. Rarely do you ever. But I just, this weird moment, I was like, I don't want to see that. Yeah, like, um, I think I'd be cool, but at the same time, I don't think I'd be cool. Well, this whole scene got me into YouTube black hole of finding out how bodies are prepped for mm. burial. Because, like, it was really interesting to me because I found out that jaws are wired shut to keep them closed because, like, in death, your mouth wants to open. Yeah, because all the muscles are gone, right? Yeah. So that's why you see that old school thing where it looked like, uh, they used to say uh, vampires and stuff are buried because it looks like you're screaming in death. But really, it's just all your, your muscles, muscles coming loose, so your jaw comes away from your. Or like top. a like a typical zombie cartoon. Yeah, and you see like fly fly out of the mouth. Yeah, and you see like that <laughs> in the graveyard. This well, is because the flesh blo- is dying. Your tongue bloats out too, so it comes out of your mouth, and your eyes don't close when yeah. you die. So, uh, but they also put mouth formers in your mouth, uh, which is like a big piece of plastic with spice on it to keep your mouth from flying open at the funeral. Mm. Uh, you can and those use- things underneath their eyes, so your eyes don't do that don't weird. Open and don't open. And 
and that whiteness. So it's just like when an eyes also fall back into your head, yeah. and then you die. So like that, that keeps them looking normal. Um, there, you can also use a device to call the needle gun that puts pins into the gums and closes the mouth with wires. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a it looks like on the show the pathologist was using a suture method on Abigail. Yeah, where just sewed her mouth they shut. They through her chin and nostrils to close the mouth. Hmm. It was really creepy. But yeah, like I was really... Well like, shot though, I <laughs> yeah. must say. There's a shot there where you see from the inside getting yeah. sewn and I was like, are we looking at Abigail or are we looking at Will getting sewn shut? <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. yeah so, I was just like, <laughs> But it was really sad to me because like, who is mourning Abigail? Like, yeah, yeah right? like who went to her funeral? Like Freddie and... Uh, well, Freddie I'm assuming Will did. For sure, Freddie because she was wearing black. Huh? I think there was a scene. Was there a scene with the funeral? Like, No, I didn't think there was. I thought there was a scene. Because we're led to think that Abigail's still alive through all the episodes, so there isn't a scene. Where she she just to- suddenly kind of disappears in her, in his uh, mind palace. I'm hoping she in- just like got like uh, cremated or something. Like, no viewing or anything. Because no one's alive that she knows. So it's just really sad to me. Like, she's, like, buried in some pauper's grave or something. Well, no, she, she probably has money or something, but... She got forgotten. There's probably yeah. something. Which makes me sad, like, now that you bring it up, it makes me sad that, like, even in death, she has no no agency for herself. Does that make sense? Um, She... No one's there to mourn her. I feel like Will did, because it did give us that eight-month time stamp, so we now know that he was, you know, she wasn't there. That he had time to heal. And he actually probably spent some poured, some yeah. time, not really mourning, because obviously he's still talking to her, so he didn't mourn properly. I think he mourned, or he outwardly put out a persona for people to think that he mourned mm-hmm. her, because it's been eight months. I'm assuming he had to find a, a safe window <laughs> to not do stuff before he traveled. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. I, know, I feel like Will actually does care for Abigail a lot. No, no I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think he does, but in a very shallow like, way. Like the like um in the beginning of the episode, you know, when they you watch like the whole like death scenes with them too. And I I kinda teared up a little bit when I saw Will crawling towards Abigail and like trying to cover her, her neck, yeah. yeah and like, while she's dying and it's like, Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> well, cause the the biggest crying bit about that is he he takes away his own hand from closing his wounds to cut, to close hers. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's gonna die. So he wanted to save her. save her again, but this time he couldn't. Yeah, it was really sad to me because I'm like uh, again, that whole like I could have saved her. I could have saved these people. I could like I could have killed Hannibal, like sort of thing. And yeah, but we like it's it's such a good, well, it's not another good episode. Uh, <laughs> <you're> <laughs> so good episode. Uh, you didn't hear me. It's on record. We got it. I got headphones on. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're in the catacombs now, so. which again is a very tiny set. It's probably as big as uh, even a little smaller than My your bathroom. apartment. Yeah, <laughs> it's tiny. They literally—it's just trickery going around. It's just a loop. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, all it is. Video village where like the directors were probably watching is probably like upstairs. Or something. Yeah, it's probably yeah. like behind the curtain somewhere. Yeah, yeah. but the, my fa- it has my favorite shot of this episode. That pan where they follow Patsy up the stairs, and you see Hannibal hiding. That was my favorite shot of the whole show. I just love that. Who like twenty eight days later, shit. So creepy in this episode. You know, my favorite shot this whole episode is fucking Hugh dancing like, 
Bye, Patsy. You know what I loved is like, if you listen to the commentary, I think it's on the commentary, but anyway, apparently that was all Hugh Dancy saying, can I have a scene where I back up into the darkness? <laughs> and that's what that is. Apparently there, yeah, there's like a, like, I'm assuming they, they played the scene straight where he just turned and walked away. And then he's like, no, no, no. Can I back up into the darkness? And that's what they did. And I was like, yeah, I love it. Such a great scene. I know, right? Batman. I know, it's like, but, I just yeah. love it so much. I'm oh, but so I happy. really do love the return of Hannibal and Will being together, though. Even though I hate them both, but yeah. <laughs> what I love too is like I, you're left with that question when 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 Will says Hannibal, I forgive you. I right, but like I know what's going to happen, like later. Obviously, Celeste doesn't. But I, I recall when I first saw this episode, I was like my my gut was to or my want was he forgives you. We can. We could be like a team or something. Something cool is going to happen. But then I was like, wait, why do you forgive him? He's a dick. (laughs) So I had such mixed feelings. So I was like, wait, is he lying again? Is he being a little manipulative bitch again? Yeah, because he knows that um, Hannibal forgave him, right? And he knows he can manipulate Hannibal if he says that he forgives him. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, that's what I was like when the first time I watched this. I was like... Is he lying, or is he act? Does he actually forgive him? I couldn't I think tell. He's uh, taking part in revenge take two before Abby gets time. Yeah, <laughs> so. taking to the streets. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for notes. Secret or taken, taken for granted. <laughs> but anyway, we come to the end of the show. Anyone else have any Love notes it. before I ask the final questions? Will has a lot of armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to. I noticed that too when he was getting out of the bed, right? Yeah. It was like a little fuzzy. So I was like, I was like, wow, like you got like a bare chest, but you got like all kinds of hair and little bits of hair. I'm looking him up. Hugh Dancy shirt. Oh, because there's like a light behind him, so you like see like the highlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like. <laughs> I'm just looking at pictures. I just find that so funny because it's just like, you know what? When I see hairless men, I think how boyish and young. And yet when I see like men all hairy, I think, oh, you're you're a man. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so torn because it's like as I get older, I'm just kind of like, I find like I I, I like you if you're right near the end, like, you know, Silver Fox. But I also like you if you're pretty young. So I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? I don't know. It's like I don't like you in the middle. If you're gonna be older or younger, it's weird. You just like the middle, <laughs> and you're in the middle right I'm now. I'm the middle. I'm in between, uh, <laughs> like but, a sandwich. So, uh, so what was your favorite part of this episode, and least favorite, and why? Mm. Favorite part is probably the plot twist of Abigail being dead, mm. just because I, I don't, know, I kind of like that sort of plot twist in like films and like stories and stuff really because dead. it really does like. It shocks you and it makes you so sad. Like, I remember watching an anime. I won't, like, say the name or, like, spoil the plot. <laughs> but it was, like, about um, these um, brother and sister who, like, were together and, like, uh, an earthquake happened. And then they, like, kind of, like, travel home together and, like, things happen. They meet people. Um, they got, one of them got hurt and then they made it home. But in the end, you found out that uh, the little brother died along the way and she's just traveling with a ghost the whole time and I was like no <laughs> that episode like that series made me cry every episode <laughs> well it reminds me of an episode of Scrubs where somebody dies and uh, he was really close to Dr. Cox and Dr. Cox is like talking to the guy the whole time and then like they're they're actually going to his funeral 
Mm. And like he's been talking to the dead guy the whole time and JD asks him like, where do you think we are? And then it shows that they're at the funeral. And I'm like, oh, like so sad. It's like, like, I don't know, it's such a genius way to make people sad. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, oh no, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> but what was your least favorite part? Um, Same thing. <laughs> yes. No. Um, just will going back to Hannibal. Like I was frustrated about that. Like, why is he doing this? Yeah. <laughs> How about you, JJ? Favorite and least favorite, and why? <laughs> My favorite is that <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> obviously Hannibal. going out finding trying to find Hannibal and just you know chasing him. Like it's just it's tantalizing but at the same time uh you're just curious what his true motives are and you can see him fighting those like does he want to actually be with hannibal or does he want to get rid of hannibal so it's like it's just i like it and everybody at this table has different opinions yeah, yeah, yeah. he's gonna kill him <laughs> uh least favorite um you know what i don't know if i really do but other than just uh this rewatch has made me actually feel feels for uh, Abigail, mm. which I never thought I would have. I like like kind of like you, uh, Sonia. I thought I like I don't like Abigail. What are the best? Well, because she felt like because like, uh, the whole thing we were talking about with no agency. Like mm. she has, they're not missing her. They're missing the image of her. And I think you yeah. guys brought that up to me about like maybe I do like Abigail. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's kind of what I was kind of sad about is I I think I actually like kind of mourned Abigail with Will. I was like, oh shit, like. This important piece, whether it was real or not, is gone. Mm -hmm. And now he really has to deal with it. And it's just, and then you got to find out will he forgive or doesn't he forgive? So it's like, you should bring a glass. And that, so, a so that's probably my <laughs> least favorite, but it's really, I'm just really enticed about this. Let's go now. <laughs> Even though I know what's going to happen. But. <laughs> well, my favorite thing is a tie. So my favorite thing was uh, that cool-ass 28 Days Later shot of Hannibal hiding behind the pillar as the camera pans by. And he's not in focus, but you know he's there. And I really love that shot. It's my favorite shot of the whole series. He's part of the wall. Yeah. My, uh, the other part of scene I really loved, Hannibal is a young man. I fucking love that picture. I think that was like the best thing they've ever done on the show. Like it was like it was like such pure genius. I'm like, my least favorite was I forgive you. That was my least favorite thing because I'm like, do you forgive him? Just like I'm about to throw my glass. By the way, so it's like that's how I'm gonna be on the final episode. No, I'll just run onto the balcony and like no. Why? But anyway, like, oh, so we come to the end of the episode. Where can everybody find you on the interwebs? And do you have anything to promote? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and uh, Tumblr at Satuma, S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as JJ Neeps, J-J-N-E-E-P-S. And you can find me on Instagram at JJ Neeps Films. And I do have something to promote. Yeah! Um, <laughs> <laughs> My film uh, headdress uh, is playing at uh, the Maori Land Film Festival in, in New Zealand. New Zealand. So uh, I don't know if I'm going. I don't think I am. It's a little late in the game. I should have already been planning that now, but it's still. I'm kind of like there's still like a sliver of hope I might go, but I doubt it. But anyway, uh, if anybody happens to be in New Zealand, go check it out. <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I am tw on Twitter as honey underscore child. I am on Tumblr as honey dash child. And we have uh, Hannibal's Horny Hibachi on Tumblr, where we do most of our updating. HH Hibachi on Twitter, which I should really update more, but it's hard because I'm like tired when I get home. And like Tumblr's more fun. Anyway. <laughs> we also have an Instagram we update to uh, Hannibal's Horny Hibachi. Uh, like and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about us. Because, like, we really appreciate all the listens we get. Because we mm -hmm. do have, like, whenever we post this, we always get an immediate 20 listens. So I really love that everybody's, like, just waiting and getting it. So and I saw our ep first episode for season three had, like, uh, the most popularity on iTunes. So I was like, yeah, we have, like, even though I know it's the first episode. But so, like, <laughs> like it. But, yeah, like, definitely like it comment and leave us a review it's really it's really awesome it'll, it'll, yeah we know. do read everything that like i i, I often search uh everything. hannibal's horny abachi on everything. google <laughs> so we do like i do tell the girls if i find something that says something was cool or or if we get recommended on a blog or something yeah and send us questions on the email too because we'd love to answer them <laughs> i kind of wanted to to approach uh fanable fest if we could do a, a live episode with them if we ever would go to toronto oh my God. Oh, wow. that'd be so fun if we could actually arrange a thing i wouldn't mind trying to like you know you know save my pennies to go do that yeah, that sounds like a fun so thing funny. to do because like i was just thinking about that because i'm like i don't we fill the whole room but i think it would well, be no, fun but... to have like a huge podcast episode like maybe our last episode being us at fanable fest that'd be awesome but yeah like if there's any interest in that please let us know yeah we can't do it unless you tell us yeah please <laughs> tell us and we share it with everybody okay. yeah Yay. we're done okay <laughs> all right bye. we'll see you next week with the third episode in the season yeah okay bye